Well, Father, let, let the word continue to go forth in, in every way. And we ask for your anointing to be upon your word. Because it's you. It is the word made flesh. And Father, I pray that it will be made flesh in our bodies right now. Lord, that it would become the word in our soul and it would be manifest in our spirit and our daily walk with you. Father, we pray for your word to come forth. Touch us. Do that mysterious work that you do. And let things change today. Father, I know you hear my voice today. I know you hear my prayers for your people. And Father, we come receiving the change that comes when we hear your word. And our faith is increased. So we praise you and we get to it now. In Jesus' name. It's a big word. There's so much more. You'll be hearing it, just as we've heard about the chapters of our life. Could I have some more? I need some more volume, please. I don't want to struggle. I did a lot of praying up there. Yeah, thank you. That's better. Can you hear me? Okay, so I can talk slowly if I want to. All right. The word of God is identity, zeal, and intentional pursuit. We could have a sermon on each one of those topics. This is going to be an overview for you of the things that are coming. Right now, we find that we are in a place right now. We are in the season of the time between the Feast of Passover. You guys are going to miss something. Back there in the back row, you're going to miss this. You don't need to miss this. This is for you. I want you to gobble this up because this isn't Kathy's word. This is God's word. I want you to know where we're at. It's really important. It's a season between Passover and Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost is June 16th. Father's Day. It's no coincidence that Father's Day is the day of Pentecost, okay? We, I'm not going to give you a lesson about Pentecost, but I'm talking about the season in between. It was a season of a lot of stuff going on. 50 days to Pentecost. For the body, the soul, and the spirit, it was the season of miracles. There was death. There was resurrection. Talk about the ups and downs. It was the season of miracles. It was the season of power. It was the season of grief. And great joy. Polarity. Polarity and everything in between. It was a season of spiritual awakening to true identity. 
spiritual awakening to true identity. They were in, the disciples in that period of time were in identity crisis. Some of you are in identity crisis right now. Come on. And I would be bold enough to say we all are. Because we have been blind since birth to our true identity. We have been deaf and not been able to hear the word that would heal our ears, as Jesus said, for those who have eyes to see and those who have ears to hear. And your faith for this can only come by hearing the word of the Lord. And so, therefore, we, have, we are all in identity crisis because we haven't been able to see because of our blindness, and we haven't been able to hear Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in me. Christ in you. God in me. Jesus in me. Holy Spirit in me. Father God in me. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The hope of glory. Not our glory. But the hope that his glory would fill all the earth. It would fill everything. Another scripture, we will get to it later as God releases it, not today. But Christ is in all. I could teach you a scientific lesson about energy, about matter. We are in various forms of identity. Today I'm Kathy. I have this earthen vessel. It holds my, my soul. It, it contains my spirit. But my spirit can come forth out of this body and touch you with its energy, with whatever it has that's in God, just like you can do. There is constant energy emanating from every single one of you. Why? Because Christ is all. In all. This is what the word says. So if Christ is in everything, we know that atoms and matter, this is simple, we'll get into this more definitively later on at some point in the future. But this is alive. Everything has life in it because it came from the creator. My body will change. If this flesh body dies, it will return it's, it's this right now. It looks like this, but it will return to dust, the Word of God says. If water is water, this is water in this container. Right? Is this water? But if I freeze this, it takes on another form. Is it ice or is it water? If I leave it out in the sun 
and it evaporates, what does it become? It evaporates. It becomes vapor. But it's still water, and it's ice, and it's vapor. So it has various forms of its identity, right? Various forms. Okay, I didn't know we were going to do that, but that, that's for another day. I want to talk about this, their journey and what they had with the season of going from blindness, spiritual, from blindness to sight. They didn't know who they were. They were a mess. They were hiding. They had fear. They had walked with perfect love. They had walked with Jesus every day for three and a half years. And they fell apart in their humanity. But in that short period of time between the cross and from the time that the Holy Spirit came down, there was a change. The disciples were changed. Do you want change? Do you want to go from one form to another? I want that. And I want to tell you, you're living in the season spiritually of change. So things are changing. They're changing. You are changing. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, let's talk about identity. Uh, well, actually, let me read First uh, Colossians 1, uh, 26. Because I want you to know the mystery. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. That's you. That's you. To whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. God wants you to be complete. You look at a mirror now. You could leave this church today. We could, you could get it and walk out of here and forget that you're complete. You see, we don't really we don't really see it. This can't be mere knowledge. This must be part of you. This has to be functioning in you. This has to change the way you're thinking. This has to change the way you're living. This must be our portion. We are destined for this. I want to tell you about identity. The world is in the biggest identity. I want everybody to listen. 
The world is in the most, the biggest identity crisis in all the ages of time. How do I know this? Because God told me. That's why. It is being assaulted every single day with identity crisis. Come on. It's the biggest crisis. We have laid hold of the crisis. We have laid hold of what Satan is feeding us. We are in identity crisis. The last time I looked at science, and we live in a world of polarity and science, what goes up will come down. Things aren't like this in heaven, but here they are. And we live in a world of polarity. But the last time I read my science and biology 101 is there are two sets of chromosomes. Come on. Yet the enemy is trying to confound truth of scientific fact. Identity crisis. There are two sets of chromosomes. One set is female, and the other is male. That is the form of these bodies that God created. They are male, or they are female. I don't apologize for it. He looked at what he created and he said, that is good. And I have a plan for it. And I have a purpose for it. And from that moment, the enemy has tried to enter in with all sorts of perversion. But there is a great assault on identity today. In the natural realms, the enemy wants to give you a choice. He wants to alter that. Because he wants to confuse your mind with true identity. There's no choice. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> There's two sets of chromosomes, and that's the way it is. You may be receiving blindness. You may be receiving poison to tell you differently. You might be getting your mind wiped of truth and become confused. But I'm here to speak the truth. In this form of body and flesh and blood, there are two forms of identity for my body. Now, in the spirit realm, I have a different body. It has no sex. I'm just me. With my spirit. I don't need that. Are you hearing me? Is there an identity crisis in the earth today because they want to perpetuate? I have people, I have run into people that are saying, I'm like, oh, you're having a girl. Well, we're not, what are you naming her? Oh, well, we're not, we're not giving her a name until she decides who she really is. I'm serious. This is how much confusion we have coming in. And don't kid yourself, you should, you should have seen it on the news and everything else. They're perpetrating this in our classrooms across America, starting in, in preschool. Identity crisis, no he, no she, you, you, can't call, you can't use those pronouns. What? 
identity crisis. The greatest that the world has ever known. Why would the enemy be trying to put us in such an identity crisis? Because he never, he wants you to be so confused by your body that you will also be confused in your soul and your spirit of who you are because the ultimate identity is in Jesus Christ in his righteousness, in his perfection of love, in his fullness, in his completeness. Where you live in peace because perfect love of his spirit is arresting every fear and anxiety that you have. You see, when you're aligned in alignment, with true identity, there's peace. Or the enemy may come after you, but when you understand who lives in you and you live in him, and that means we're all one. This will mess with your mind. If Christ is in all, is he just you know, we've been taught he's only all in Christians. His blood was shed for every human being, ever born and whoever will be. When we, I was telling Lonnie, I said, God has been speaking to me so much on this trip. He's messing with me. He's messing with me. He's going so deep. He's correcting everything. We were looking at a couple of individuals along the road we were driving on. It's so easy for you and I to judge. And God told me we learned it the minute we came into the church. Because before you came into the family of God, you were just one of the many out there. But when you came into the church, then... Suddenly you had a revelation of it's us and them. But that didn't come from Father. I want to tell you, it didn't come from him. When you're in identity with Christ, he doesn't think that way. He doesn't think that way. He doesn't think that way. Why? Because he's in the one that's lost. Because he's all in all. They are blind and they do not know it. Yeah, it's going to mess with your theology. But when you dig deep, you will find it. He said, judge not. He said, love your enemies. He said, pray for your enemies. And when you understand that he's in everything, you can't... If What did he say? as much as you did it to the least of these. To the nothings. You've done it to me. You've done it to me. Yeah. And that goes for judging them. That goes for those secret thoughts of, we usually don't go there, but for the grace of God, go I. We're just like, thank God we're not like them. 
Right? Come on. Come on. So we do. And we have a new understanding. And our blindness is being healed. If he's out there. He said he'd leave the 99 to go find the one lost sheep. He has a plan. He wants everyone to come to the knowledge of the cross, of the blood, to be adopted into the family, to receive his love, his transforming power. Let me tell you, the disciples were a mess in that season. They were in identity crisis. Peter, a few days before, had denied Christ three times. He was shamed. He didn't even want to hang out with the people he was hanging with because he was guilty. He was feeling condemnation. When you're in Christ, it says there is no condemnation in Christ because he's not here to condemn the lost. He's not here to condemn you. It is such a greater way to see Jesus Christ and his perfect love. When you, when you can relate and you can see the lost with the eyes of faith and the way he sees them and the way he loves them and the way he wants to go after them and bring them into the fold. You see, they're just out there. Identity crisis. Identity is not what you look like. Identity is not where you work. Identity is not what you do for God or otherwise. Doctor, Reverend, Doctor, Reverend, Apostle. It's none of those titles. Identity is not that. Let it go. Let it go. Identity is not where you go to church. Come on. Get rid of that too. It's not where you go to church. Can you prove you're a Christian to me? Can you prove it? You got identity to prove it? How am I going to know? What if, what if you're stripped of everything? How am I going to know? There's one scripture that says you'll know them by their fruits. That means what they produce. What are you producing? What are you known for? What are you known for? Are you known for Drama? Are you known for anxiety? Are you known for fear? Are you known as a liar? Are you known for exaggerating?
Are you known for always being offended? Are you easily offended? Are you known for being critical? Are you known for judging? Are you known for saying it like it is? Because you can. What are you known for? What are you producing? These aren't my questions. These were the ones Father and I had a long talk about. On the other hand, are you known for bringing peace? Are you blessed are the peacemakers? Are you known for forgiveness? Are you known for forgiveness? Are you known for reconciliation? Restoration? Are you known for hope? People like to hang out for you, with you for some hope. How about unconditional love? You know, perfect love. The kind God loves you with. Whether you know it or not. He's not here condemning you. Did you just notice how easy it is to condemn yourself when I spoke earlier about some of the fruit you might be manifesting? He doesn't come to condemn us, but he does come to correct us because we get out of alignment. Guys know what I'm talking about when they take the car in to get the tires aligned. So they operate perfectly. So you're not skidding and wearing and going down the highway of life incorrectly. When we get an alignment, he comes in for an alignment. Get back over here in the middle of the road because this is where my life is. Aligning with true identity. That's where the power of God operates. That's where the miracles manifest and are performed. That's where healing takes place. The disciples during that season that we're all in right now didn't know who they were. And we can bear witness to that because God told me, none of us know. You don't know. But things are about to change. Things are about to change. Things are also changing right now. 
because he's coming in right now as we sit here today, right now as we came together, as we came corporately and we prayed. He, he began doing things. Before we got here, he started changing things in your heart to make you receive truth, in your mind to get rid of the old ways. The disciples were in a season of change. They had to redefine the course. They had to understand. They were in such a, you know, I told you you were blind, but you don't believe it because the word says, well, I'm not blind, and we stand on the word, and we, we do all this, and we, you know, we speak by faith. We're not blind when we're not blind in experience. When you're living in the fullness of sight. When you understand that you are a light in the darkness because he lives in you. That light does not go out. You're, you're light bearers. You are the children of God. He lives in you. His identity, every miracle, greater works than these will you do. This is the truth. This is the truth of who you are. The disciples didn't believe that during that time. They were blind. They were confused. They were so blind that when Mary went to the grave that day and she went to the cave and she ran into Jesus, she actually thought he was the gardener. Through history, we were like, well, maybe he had a different form. Maybe he looked different. Maybe he's glorified body. She couldn't recognize him until he healed her blindness, and she had eyes to see, and she said, oh, it's you. We could say, how is that? But we are the same way. We are not better than that. In so many areas of her life. What about the road to Emmaus and the two disciples that walked with Jesus all the way on the journey and he taught them out of the scriptures on how and what was going on? They didn't recognize him until they got to the end and he gave them eyes to see. And it was him. Identity. Right now, you are in a season where you are going to be given eyes to see in a way you have never known before in your life because now is the time. Now is the appointed time that all creation is groaning for, that the sons of God will arise. They will begin to see who they are. And here's the story for you right here. There it is. Christ in you. The hope of glory. He is in me. I am in him. I'm joined to you. He said, Father, make them one, as you and I are one. That was one of the last prayers he prayed. Before you're going to a cross of torture and torment, that's a pretty important prayer. That was what was on his mind. Make them one, make them one, make them one, as you and I are one. Raised up in love, that's who you are. Power by his Holy Spirit. When you identify with his cross 
and pick up yours daily. He died. He was resurrected. When you pick up your cross and you die daily, he resurrects you in his life, in his alignment. More of him is living and less of you. You're not out to be somebody. You see, it's been easy for the enemy to mess with you and confuse you about true identity. You know why? Because humanity has always wanted to be something else. You always wanted to be somebody else. Okay? You wanted to look like somebody else. You wanted to live like somebody else. You wanted to drive another kind of car like somebody else drives. You wanted a job like somebody else has. I mean, it's easy for him to throw this on you of confusion because you were ripe for it. Because of the fallen fruit and eating from the tree of good and evil. True identity comes from eating the fruit of the tree of life only. And that's Jesus. Oh, my Lordy, Lordy. You can do all things in Christ who lives in you. Amen? He strengthens you. He moves in you. He lives in you. What blinds us to this? What are the things that blind us to this? Two weeks before we left, God spoke a question to me. In the middle of a day when I wasn't asking him stuff. I didn't ask anything about it, hadn't even thought about this. And out of the blue, when he does this, I know, don't answer. Wait a while before you answer this. He, he's really going to lay something else. He said, it was a question, where is the zeal for my house? When he said that, I saw the two words, for my house, in was over it. So it was, where is the zeal in for my house? Zeal. You're going to learn a new four-letter word today. You guys know what I'm talking about? It was a four-letter word. This is a new four-letter word for you today. Zeal. In the dictionary, it is defined as, in the Greek, it is zealous. But in the dictionary, it just says great energy, enthusiasm, devotion. This is the one. In pursuit of a cause, an objective, or a goal. In pursuit. Zeal. Passion. Fervor. Urgency, eagerness, perseverance. So it's really past, present, and future. It's a state of being, zeal. Jesus' definition. I want to give you Jesus' definition. I'm going to need you in a second line to hold my microphone. Jesus in Isaiah 59. It was prophesied. He put on zeal. Come up here, Lenny. This is Jesus' definition. I want you to have the identity of Jesus here, not, not, not the dictionary definition. He put on zeal 
like a mantle. Some people, I'm not talking about a fireplace mantle. I'm talking about a scarf or something like that. And he wrapped himself in it. And he wrapped himself in zeal. Enthusiasm, devotion, perseverance, fervent, great energy. In pursuit of a cause, I read you Colossians 1, 26, and on today. God has been in pursuit of a great cause. Even before the foundations of the world, it says Jesus was slain. Before the foundations of the world were even formed. This is how long he's been in pursuit of you and his plan. In his will, he wrapped himself in zeal. If this is identity, that's what I want. I want to be wrapped in zeal for God, passion. In John 2, 17, when Jesus went into the temple shortly before the cross came, he turned over the tables and he drove out the money changers. It wasn't just that. It was an ideology that man will always turn his church into something else. And he said, my house will be a house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. He was zealous, and the disciples looked at him like, what is he doing? He's acting like a madman. Nobody's ever dared do anything like this in the religious courts of the temple. Come on. And then they were reminded by the word of God. And the scripture was, zeal for your house has consumed me. This is the definition of Jesus' zeal. It has consumed me. Then Jesus and Revelation 3.19 said to the church of Laodicea, which is the church that exists on the face of the earth today, he says, look, you guys have been doing some good stuff here, but I've got one thing. There's a problem here. Let me, let me redefine this. They were out of alignment. He says, you're, you're neither hot or you're neither cold. You're lukewarm. You're out of alignment in your true purpose, in your true identity. He said, be zealous, therefore, and repent. Repent for your lack of zeal. Repent for your lack of passion. Repent for where you are pursuing, intentionally pursuing other causes. Other things that are really not even a part of your true identity. Amen? I love this word because he's come to correct our alignment in order 
to be healed from our blindness and our deafness, we have to have our eyes upon him. The other things that that make your zeal grow cold is when you don't nurture your relationship with Jesus every day. Sunday isn't enough. Some of you are like, when is she going to stop preaching? We're really going over time. Come on, we've had a full day. This isn't enough. I'll tell you what destroys zeal. Offense. Judgment. Criticizing. Gossip. Come on. Pride. Not forgiving. A life that lacks repentance. Fear is a zeal destroyer. Let's look at the disciples in the room. That picture of that room is very small on the movies that they make about them sniveling and being afraid. And even Jesus walked through the wall and it still wasn't enough for Thomas. He had to touch his hand. That room fit 120 people. We usually see half a dozen or so. But that room, when we went to Israel, is big. It fits 120 people with room to move. I have no place to judge. Because some days, I am them. You are them. I want consistency in my life. He was consistent. He was zealous. He didn't enter into these things of darkness, anxiety, negative thoughts. Who am I? What am I? Lack of the word. We find true identity in the word of God. If you aren't in it and you're focusing on a body part that makes you who you are, You aren't focusing on the right thing. Because he said, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. I had a plan for you. It was a plan for good. It's a destiny plan. I have a plan for you. I wrote chapters about you in a book. Some of you have volumes. The libraries in heaven are so vast you have no idea so big. Negative thoughts. Come on. Negative thoughts are zeal killers. Let's renew our identity today. Let's get aligned. Because when we have zeal, we will be in intentional pursuit. And I have spoken to you in the past year about intentional pursuit. I want to draw a logo. I wish Sean was here and he could have done this for me today. But it's a giant circle. An earlier pastor said, you know, 
uh, uh, told that story about a father that wouldn't come to his daughter's wedding because her her husband had tattoos and he wore earrings. A big circle. And in that circle is I, capital I, P. I pray that every one of you will be sealed with that logo and a spiritual tattoo today. Come on. A sealing of the Holy Spirit. A mark on you that says, this one has zeal. This one is in alignment with me. This one has the markings of my identity because I am relentless. I am intentionally in pursuit of the cause and the goal of my Father. Jesus said they didn't know who he was. You see, even his mother still didn't know who he was. He was 12 years old and he was in the the temple teaching when they found him and and they said, where where have you been? Like, like and he said, why wouldn't I be here? I'm in my father's house about his business. They said, your mother's outside. He says, well, who is my mother? Who is my father? But him who does the will of my father. You see, he wasn't focused on the natural. He was focused on the spiritual. He saw and sees differently, and we're going to. You see, intentional pursuit is in the season. It is the seal of the Holy Spirit. It describes that logo I just described to you. Read Colossians 1, 19 through 23. Before the foundation of the world, and 2,000 years since the cross, he's been an intentional pursuit for you and the cause of his father. You see, Mary, just before the cross, a prostitute who had been healed, who had had demons cast out of her, took a very priceless commodity, the spikenard oil, and she broke it. It was costly, costly. I mean, you'd work months to have this amount of oil. And she poured it over her, over him before he went. And everybody else had something to say, didn't they? They judged it. There's a zeal killer. They criticized her. There's a zeal killer. Canceler. They had other ideas on how it should have been used. But Jesus said, she's done this for me, for my burial. And not only that, everywhere where the gospel is preached, they're going to talk about what she did. Because Mary was zealous. Mary was intentionally pursuing him. To him who has been forgiven much. (laughs) She had a deep love for him. She understood the price he was about to pay. That she was part of the wounds and the sin he was about to carry.
The disciples had an issue. We have issues all the time. In our religiosity, may we let it go. I don't want religiosity anymore. We're always ready to kill with the letter of the law. They were always telling Jesus how they were doing wrong, healing on the Sabbath. And what about your disciples eating wheat on the Sabbath? May it be ripped and wiped out of our minds. And may we walk in the liberty of Christ. May we walk in compassion. May we walk in mercy, because that's his identity. May we walk in perfect love, that where we see fear and where we see tumors and where we see the need for healing, that we just walk and we change lives. May we be changed so we can change lives and, and reflect the light of Christ. Be zealous. What will others be talking about? Will anybody be talking about you 2,000 years from now? But what, what is your intentional pursuit in the next three months? What is it tomorrow? Is it going to change? What is he speaking to you right now in the midst of this? He's speaking to you. He's telling you some stuff right now. I can hear him. What will others be speaking about where the gospel is preached? Will you set your eyes upon Jesus and be zealous, therefore, and repent for your lukewarmness? Will Will you wrap that mantle of his zeal around you and go forward as sons and daughters? following the Spirit of God, daily influence in your life. For God so loved the world. We think of it too casually. But he literally so loved the world, his creation, all of humanity, Everything, everything is invested. He gave up his child. Anybody here as a parent want to hang up your child on a cross and let us torture him? But he did that for the cause of the greater good, for the fullness of Christ that one day you would no longer be blind, that one day I would no longer be blind, that one day I would no longer be deaf, and I would be able to hear the word and have faith come and manifest itself because I heard it so deeply in the core of my being that it resonated and an earth shook just like it did for the disciples on the day of Pentecost, that we're still in that room waiting 10 days, waiting for the Holy Spirit. Jesus had now left them. They couldn't see him anymore. He wasn't going to just be coming through the wall anymore. He said, I'm ascending to my Father, and I'm giving you 
the gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, pastors, and teachers, and evangelists. I'm, I'm giving you everything you're going to need, and I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and I'm going to baptize you with the fire that, we have, that John was preaching about. And the baptism of fire is going to come up, and it's going to consume all this other stuff we just talked about. You see, the problem is, when it happened on that day for the disciples, it hasn't been, it was a down payment of anointing. We got some. It's a down payment. But the church has been in Pentecost, and it's not enough to do what we need to get us into the kingdom of God. So we stand in this realm, and we stand with one foot in the kingdom. But I'm telling you, the day that the fire came on them in such a way, everything changed. They found out who their identity was. Did you see that? Did you read that in the Word? Did you see what happened in a, in a flash, in an ignition of fire, of power, of strength? The fire came on them, and suddenly they knew who they were. And the zeal was fanned by the flames of fire in their lives, and zeal came upon them. Not the zeal they'd known before, not the ones before the cross because they thought they were zealous. This is one that was lasting. This zeal was so intense and so persevering that it led every one of them to martyrdom. It, it was so intense that no matter what suffering they suffered, no matter what they were going through, no matter where they were gone, no matter how many times they were beat and left for dead, they kept going back for more. Come on. I want that zeal that will carry me to the end of eternity. I want that zeal in my spirit. I want that zeal in my soul. I want my flesh to permeate with zeal. Amen? Amen? I want the zeal of God to be manifest. And when he asked, he asked me, Kathy, where is the zeal for my house? Where is the zeal in my house? And I'll go, well, I'm raising my hand because I'm not going to quit. Because Christ was a firstborn overcomer, and I'm going to keep overcoming no matter what. Favor was upon the disciples from that time forward. It came with a lot of issues and a lot of fight. But God's favor was upon them, wasn't it? And God is coming to change and let there be favor and mercy on your life so that you can go forth just like they did and you can come to the fullness of your destiny. This is just the intro to these three concepts today. I hope you lay hold of them. Because if you will be quiet and let God speak to you, you will start to see. You will start to align. You will start to manifest the greater works that he said we would do. In Jesus' name, may this be sealed to you. May this be sealed to you. Perfect love 
pass out all fear. He said, love one another for love covers a multitude of sins. Amen? It disregards the offense. Amen? Are you excited? Oh, Lord, your work in each heart and only the way, the mystery of you living in each life can do. In Jesus' name I pray.